Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. I am. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed this JLo documentary. Oh, I loved it. You did? Yeah, but I'm such a sucker for a celebrity documentary. I know. And I think what I really appreciated is that it was an hour and a half. Like in 90 minutes, I got the full beginning, middle, and end, and I felt very satisfied. It was incredibly digestible. And I remember after we had watched the Billie Eilish documentary, which we both absolutely loved, we walked away saying, you know, that could have been probably even an hour shorter than it was or broken up into almost like a docu-series where it was multiple parts. But this one was just an hour and 30 minutes flat, so digestible, but you got everything that you needed out of it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how you win me over in terms of any sort of a show. Give me 90 minutes and hit all the points and I'm sold. Totally. So for anybody who's unfamiliar with what we're talking about, this is JLo's new documentary on Netflix called Halftime. And it was really kind of presented as the behind the scenes and everything leading up to her and Shakira's Super Bowl performance, which it was. But at the same time, there was so much coincidentally going on in JLo's life this year. She was turning 50. There was all the hype around Hustlers. She was nominated for a Golden Globe. There was a lot of speculation that she was going to be nominated for an Oscar. A year later, she's performing at the inauguration. I mean, there was a lot happening. And so, yes, while the main focus, I guess, was the halftime show. You really got to see a full 360 of what was going on for her during this time. Well, I actually have to say that that was my takeaway from the documentary, which was I found myself wishing that it was more centered around this year of 50 that she was having rather than the events leading up to an event. See, I had that thought as well, because to me, I would have a thousand percent watched like a JLo, this is 50, give that to me all day. But I wonder if she and her team felt like framing it more as a Super Bowl thing would have made it more interesting or appealing to the masses. Which is interesting because I actually felt like that was somewhat of a detriment to her because a lot of the feedback as soon as this was announced was people drawing comparisons straight away to Beyonce's homecoming documentary. And once you watch it, you realize the two documentaries are entirely separate. They're very different things. Beyonce's was entirely centered around this one event where J-Lo, of course— all leading up to this event, but it was really about the events of her life that year. And I have to say, I really remember, and I think we all do, that year of 50 being so big for JLo. And it was one of those things where we actively recognized it in the moment. And so I think that had it been marketed that way, we would have had that moment of like, oh yeah, I remember her year of 50. Like, let's watch the fuck out of this documentary. And not that I would recommend anybody not watch it. I thought it was incredible. But I think it's all about the way that it was being sold to audiences. I gotta tell you, I really resent that take that I saw online a lot about the Beyonce comparison. I think it's very unfortunate that the two things can't coexist. Even if JLo's was entirely about the Super Bowl and nothing else, and even if there were a lot of similarities, who cares? Like These are two of the most famous, well-respected female performers in the world, both on massive stages. And just naturally their experiences are going to be different and what you're going to take away from it is going to be totally different. So I hate that there's even that conversation that the two can't both exist. Oh, I do too. And had JLo's documentary literally just been about the Super Bowl, I would have been interested in that. I would have been fine with that. I will say though that the idea of doing it as more about this year in her life is a far more creative concept considering something like a documentary about an event leading up to an event had already been done. Right. And I mean, and continues to be done, obviously. Right. Of course. 
Yeah. So I don't really want to do a full recap because I'm sure some people watch, and if not, maybe you will watch. I kind of would rather just touch on some of the key moments. I know we literally have not spoken about this because we both watched it last night at like midnight. I know. I'm very excited to discuss. I want to mention this and then I want to move on. I really don't want to harp on it, but I just have to say, whosever job it was to comb through this footage and make sure there was not a trace of A-Rod, that is some excellent work there because this was filmed at a time when I mean, he was such a huge part of her life and somehow they were able to present the footage in a way where it didn't feel like there was an obvious absence, but clearly it must have taken work to make sure he was not in any shot, basically. Did you catch the one part where you can see him? For like a split second during Thanksgiving. It's funny because I actually almost felt like I was being gaslit by the documentary because in my head I was like, I know they were together at this time, but maybe I have my timeline off and I had to actively Google it. And the reason that I felt that way is because I then remembered that one of the major parts of this year of 50 she was having was the fact that she did get engaged. Well, at the very end, when they show a year later and she's performing at the inauguration, that was really the biggest ode to him because when she's holding the mic, you see that massive engagement ring on her finger. Right. And you see that engagement ring multiple times throughout the documentary. But then also one of my favorite parts is Ben Affleck has a very quick cameo. I know. It was so intentional. And again, this is so not the focus. Like, I do not want to feed into that thing where the media only talks about her dating life. Like, there's so much here. I just think that regardless, it was artful the way that they removed him in a way that I actually felt was very organic. Incredibly impressive. Yeah. We'll get into the Super Bowl of it all in a second, because obviously that was the main focus. But I kind of want to start with a little bit of a hustler's discussion. Is that okay with you? Yeah, I would love to. I don't have a fully formed thought on this because I just watched it last night, so I'm kind of still processing it. But I think my biggest takeaway, specifically as it applied to the scenes about Hustlers, is that my view of J-Lo was so clearly flawed in that I kind of thought she would be numb to all of this stuff because in my mind, she cemented as such a superstar, such an icon, such an OG in the space. And you see that in a lot of ways, I genuinely felt like she was a little girl again when she was experiencing the hype of the Hustlers movie. And maybe that comes from the fact that she never felt as respected in the world of acting as she wanted to be. I mean, there's a lot of factors that could have contributed to that, but I feel like I was getting such a high from watching the roller coaster of her emotions in this whole process. I felt that way too. And it's interesting because it's not just the world of acting that she's felt disrespected in and rightfully so. It's almost every area of her life, which is so impressive for somebody who is such an icon because there's criticism and there's questions about her talent in every single thing that she has. And I think she does continue to prove people wrong. But what was so interesting for me is that and I can't explain why, but I think I went into this documentary with like I'm not going to say my entire view of J-Lo changed. I think that would be a dramatic statement. But I think lately, my view of J-Lo is almost that she's so famous and so cemented in her place in Hollywood that it's almost become a little bit robotic, which I think you find happen with a lot of different celebrities. And my takeaway from the documentary is that I was definitely dead wrong about my view of her in that way. I know, and it's almost such a cliche because some of the most famous people they're interviewed and it's the question of, do you still get nervous? And their reaction to that is like, what do you mean? Of course I still get nervous. Whereas to us, it's like, how is that possible? You are such a talent. You exist in a category of your own, but then you remember they're all just people. And I think it hit me the most when she was laying in bed, she was on the phone with her friend and she's reading one of the first reviews of Hustlers. And you see her get really, really emotional. And to me, I guess in my mind, I would have picture that someone that's existed in this space for this long almost had to be a little bit numb to some of the feedback in order to keep going. But you see, she really internalizes it, the good and the bad. Yeah, I I felt very differently after watching this documentary. I can't express to you how much I enjoyed it. Like I really felt I connected with her. No, I did too. I you're right. And again, that's like the point of these documentaries. Like they always work. They always hit in the same way. There's this girl on TikTok who has been doing like these parody videos of you know, every celebrity documentary ever, we'll have to put the link in the bio, but she's hysterical in them and she does them so well. And I had been seeing those leading up to the documentary. So I think in my mind, I was like, it's going to be exactly like every other one. And then I watched it and I was like, yeah, it is like every other one because I fucking love every single other one. And I walk away with the exact same feeling about that person. I'm like, oh, 
They're so misunderstood. I had it so wrong. They work so hard. They live such a good life. Like every single one has the same effect on me. Right. And listen, clearly there is a formula that's working. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, (laughs) you have to really be a special kind of celebrity to have this type of documentary and then have the public view of you be worse after the fact. You know, like (laughs) this is to me, historically speaking from everyone that I've seen, I have never walked out liking the person less. Right. So true. In terms of the actual halftime show, I guess the first thing I want to say is that I was so happy she left in those conversations with the NFL, with the team, where she was really honest about how displeased she was that she had to share the stage. And it had nothing to do with Shakira. It wasn't like a pitting women against each other kind of thing. It was that she felt like it was honestly a slap in the face from the NFL that, what are you saying? One Latina woman cannot do the job that has historically been done by one performer. All of a sudden, you have to put two of us on the stage to fill the space. And I think hearing her explain that was honestly very impactful. Oh, I do too, especially because that was so much of the clickbait surrounding this. And you almost went into it thinking that Jayla was going to have some sort of an issue with Shakira herself. And right off the bat, right off the bat, Jayla was like, working with Shakira, taking her opinions. Like there was no resentment towards Shakira in any shape or form, which I would have been shocked had that been the case, but it was almost presented as such by the clickbait headlines that I expected going into it that there would be a little bit of that. It wasn't at all. It was just about the NFL in general. Right, which obviously for clickbait purposes, her having an issue with the NFL is like a less sexy narrative than her having an issue with Shakira. But the second you watch it, you realize that the former is so much more the case. I also think a huge takeaway was truly the level of involvement she has in every single performance. You could feel that the dancers and the other performers around her were so inspired by not only her energy, but also like her willingness to include them and to want them to be their best especially with the young girls that were in the Super Bowl performance, because I thought that was the sweetest part of the whole thing and the way that she spoke to them and the way she included them and encouraged them. It was just, it was definitely one of my favorite parts of the entire thing. Yeah. Another element of it that I'm so glad we really got to see the inner workings of is Emmy performing with her. Because I remember watching the halftime show, we were watching it together when we were in Florida and we were like, wow, this is so beautiful. Like here you are taking the biggest stage in the world and you're doing it with your child. Like that, that is something that so few people will ever get to experience. But I loved when she was explaining it and she was saying, you know, a lot of people would probably think that Emmy is nervous. And yes, it's one of the biggest stages in the world, but at the end of the day, it's just the two of us up there. And it was almost like a reframe for me because you always wonder how did these children feel about this being their parents, like their parents are the biggest superstars in the world. And it was so interesting that the way that that actually manifested itself in this setting is that JLo being Emmy's mom was actually the very thing that brought them comfort. Right. And that was such a huge part of it was just how important it was to JLo to have Emmy be a part of this. It was almost like JLo took the stage and one of the first things that she decided when she was planning how this was going to go and what she wanted to do and the important points she wanted to hit on. She also knew right off the bat, it felt like that she wanted Emmy to have some sort of a part of this. I know. And then for her to execute it in such a way that even before seeing the documentary, even before knowing any of the behind the scenes, I felt like just as a viewer of the show that night, you could feel the power behind that. Absolutely. Wait, also not to skip around, but the meeting with Donatella right before she's about to walk the Versace runway of Milan Fashion Week, like all of these moments could have easily been their own thing. We see how her dress was quite literally the thing that created Google image search. Meanwhile, that was like a three minute blip in this documentary. You know, I remember us recording multiple podcasts and saying every single week during this time, like, How incredible is it for J-Lo to be 50 years old and we have not done a podcast in X amount of time without her being one of the main stories? Like that was my takeaway from the year was just every single day there was a J-Lo headline and watching this documentary, I was so reminded of why that was the case and keeping in mind that her personal life was almost entirely removed from this. And I thought that was such a strong part of it. I would have almost been annoyed had it really harped on her dating life and her personal life because that so wasn't the point of it. But thinking back on that year, she was a headline every single week. 
I know. And in terms of the complete removal of her love life, one could ask the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was that supposed to be included? And then once her and A-Rod broke up, they removed all of that footage? Or was she very intentional and in wanting it to be very career focused? And maybe if they hadn't broken up, obviously he would have been in the background. Maybe he would have had a few solo interviews, but it still would have been about her and her career. I don't know the answer to that. I'm just so glad that it turned out the way that it did. And that's coming from me, who is fascinated by her and Ben Affleck's dynamic. Fascinated. Like, you know, they are maybe my number one couple of all time, but I still was happy that we got one cameo from him and that was it. Like we can do a separate interview and they're gushing over one another and it's really about that. That was so not what this was about. This was so about her and her work ethic and the boundaries that she's breaking and just her drive, her passion. Like it, it so had nothing to do with the men in her life. And I do have to imagine that that was intentional because, you know, she's fighting against that narrative that she's been put in f- since the inception of her career. I know this is a really inopportune time to ask based on what you just said, but I have to. How was the On the J-Lo newsletter from Father's Day about Ben Affleck? It was great. Thank you for asking. She wished her father a happy Father's Day. She wrote a little paragraph about Ben, similar to what she said in her Instagram post, and then there were some photos. So it was simple, but kind. I'm so happy. (laughs) I saw Donald Adler posted this morning, like, get you someone who loves you the way that J-Lo loves her newsletter. And it's true. J-Lo, on the J-Lo, baby. On the J-Lo, baby. The one thing we have to talk about as well was this concept that J-Lo had come up with in terms of the kids being in the cages for the Super Bowl and the message that that was going to get across and that she was hoping to get across with that. And then I think it really did get across. But one of the most interesting moments of the whole thing was they're in that final dress rehearsal the night before the Super Bowl and word comes in from the NFL that they want to scrap all the cages. And J-Lo is so firm in absolutely in no way, shape, or form will they be doing that. Well, first of all, to change anything about a performance in that big of a way on such a last-minute notice is just inexcusable. So even political statement aside, I'm so glad that she stuck with what she wanted. But when she looks at the camera and she's like, and I said to Benny, meaning Benny Medina, her longtime manager, I don't give a shit what you have to do. We are keeping those fucking cages. I felt that. And I was like, I would not want to be the NFL in this situation because she wants those cages and that's what she's going to get. Absolutely. And that's what she should have gotten. I mean, it was an incredibly powerful message and it was an incredibly important message. And that was the other thing about the documentary was that her heritage as a Latina woman shown throughout the entire thing in a way that she was so incredibly proud of. And that was a huge part of this performance was the fact that it took place in Miami and the fact that it was her and Shakira. And that was not lost on me for one second throughout this entire thing. And it, you know, I'll tell you, it wasn't lost on me when I was watching the performance either, but I will say I had a much better, more well-rounded understanding when I was you know, hearing her explain some of the details. For example, when she's watching the little girls perform and she's like, you know, there's something very powerful about them doing the cha-cha to board in the USA. Like little moments like that where you could see she was hyper aware of really wanting to make her message come across. Oh, absolutely. And also just going back to what you said about Benny Medina for a second, who has been JLo's manager, I think, since the beginning. One of the conversations we have often about celebrities, and we talk about this with Kim a lot, is that It says so much about a person when you can see that the team and the people they've had around them have been there since the beginning. And J-Lo is one of those people. I mean, the people that are around her are day one people. You can see it with Benny. You can see it with her friend Elaine, who comes up quite often, who is a big producer and I think produced most of the movies that J-Lo is in. Produced this documentary, produced Made in Manhattan, has been involved with J-Lo since the beginning. And so that was also one of my big takeaways, which was not at the forefront of this, that you could definitely see throughout it. Well, going off of that, there was that one moment after she lost the Golden Globe and she's sitting in her room she's getting her hair and makeup taken off and she looks over at Benny and Elaine and they kind of just look defeated and she gets up and she's like checking on them. And that moment really took me back because I had never considered the reverse of it. I always assumed, or I guess I envisioned that when a celebrity has this moment where, you know, they lose this award that they maybe anticipated winning, that it's their team around them comforting them, which I would say for the majority of the time it is the case. But there was this very interesting role reversal that was happening because it was like JLo almost felt like she had to comfort her team. And she says in her confessional, you know, 
it's a win for them as well when I win. It shows that their hard work is being recognized and it's a big deal for their portfolio. So I don't know, just watching her almost feel like she had to comfort them because they were maybe disappointed by her loss hit me. Yeah, I I felt that way at that part too. Yeah, there were a lot of moments. I mean, I could talk about this for a very long time, but I would definitely recommend watching it. It's an hour and 36 minutes. It's an easy watch and I think you'll enjoy it. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Wait, did you see as we were recording this? Obviously, last week, Beyonce announced that Renaissance Act One is coming out July 29th, her seventh studio album. But she just made her bio six, Break My Soul, Midnight Eastern Time, which I guess that means she's dropping that tonight. Yeah, I obviously saw it. I'm like one of those people that like catches internet clues. Like that's how quickly I saw that. Yeah, I know. My favorite thing, by the way, about a Beyonce album drop or album announcement is Zendaya's reaction. Like... She stands her in a way that is so relatable. It's one of my favorite things. But also, by the way, Zendaya's dancing videos throughout the years to Beyonce have been some of the most iconic videos on the internet. So everything about that is just my favorite thing. I know this isn't necessarily a news story, but I would really like to talk for a second about the general response around Hailey Bieber's skincare launch road, because I think it opens up to a pretty fascinating conversation about celebrity products and internet culture and the public's response and the way to do it right, the way to do it wrong, competition within the market. Like there is so much here. Oh, there's so much here. And this is a conversation that you and I have been having and that I've been having with a lot of other people just in terms of that general concept of celebrity brands and what does well in the different tiers of how they perform. And so much of that conversation is centered around road because I personally, and I don't know if you agree with this, I think it is such a positive example of a case study in that because I don't think it's one where it's necessarily like right off the bat, every single person is 100% on board, but it's also not one where right off the bat, everyone's like, I'm, I'm not dealing with this bullshit. Well, it's very interesting because to me, this is a case where the reaction pre-launch versus post-launch was very different. When she first announced that she was coming out with the skincare line, it was like a collective eye roll from the internet. People were saying, what is she going to teach us about skincare? It's clearly just genetics. She has access to all of the best. You know, I think it was met with a lot of skepticism, a lot of annoyance. And then I think because of the way that it was rolled out and people actually seeing the products, really appreciating the transparency with the website, noting the price point, which especially in comparison to Kim's line skin, which we can talk about in a second, I was pleasantly surprised at the shift almost. Here's my feelings on it. And I totally agree with you. 
My feeling on it was the first thing that she did, which I thought was really smart about it, was that it was marketed as like skincare for dewy, glowy skin. It was a very, very specific marketing tool that she rolled out. And that is one of the things about Haley's skin that is so unbelievably notable. She just looks like a fucking glazed donut all the time. And I think one of the things with celebrity skincare that people have such a hard time processing why they would ever buy a celebrity skincare product is because as a celebrity, when you have amazing skin, we know that you're not using your own product. You've had amazing skin for 20 years and you've had a product for one year. So how are you going to convince me that that's why your skin looks like that? But one of the things Haley did, which I thought was incredibly smart, was she only dropped three products. It was one lip care and two skin products. And so you're never going to convince me that your entire skincare routine is your product, but you can totally convince me that you use two of your own products. Totally. And the way that she framed it, which clearly there was a lot of media training here. I mean, this was a line that she recycled quite frequently in her interviews, but I understand why, is she was equating this skincare to almost like your holy grail wardrobe products. And the reason that I felt that to be such a smart play, even if it seemed slightly rehearsed, is that Haley is known for her wardrobe. When you think of her, you think of her street style. So for her to then equate her skincare to her style, I think that was a very smart move in terms of you know, increasing that aspirational aspect. And by the way, that's coming from me who can praise this all day long and I'm still not going to use it, not because I don't think it's good, just because I have my Holy Grail products that I trust and I use and that's what works for me. I bought the lip treatment just because I was curious, which I will definitely report back on once I get it. But I felt that the entire approach around this made a lot of sense with her already existing brand. You know, as being our age, we're 25, 27, our skincare has kind of developed over the years and we've kind of gotten down pat what works for us. When you sell something very, very smartly so at a $30 price point, you're now marketing to people who haven't entirely figured out their skincare yet. A lot of people who are younger who are going to be far more willing to spend $30 for something than they are to spend a lot of money on something. And so it's not just for us. It's for people, I think, who are a little bit younger, who are just starting to get into it and can say, you know what? For $30, I can try this product. No problem. Even for us to say like, you know, I have my skincare down pat. I would never spend $100 on a product that I don't know about from a celebrity line. But for Haley's $30 product, if everyone's talking so highly about it, I'll try it out. And that's kind of the I don't want to say the genius of how this has been marketed, but I do think it has been marketed so incredibly well. And that's why I think it is also such an interesting case study in celebrity brands, because when you look at a brand, you're all over the map with them. Some right off the bat are received incredibly well. Some are brands that you don't even know are associated with a celebrity that are incredibly famous and well-used and well-known. Honest, for example, which I think is the best example of any celebrity brand ever. And so you also have brands where people say, I'm not just buying it because you're a celebrity on the face. I would never even touch that. And so you're all over the map with these things. And I think Rode has done a really good job of pushing towards that higher end of, you know what, even though you're a celebrity that slapped your face on this, it's not just that I'm buying it because of that. It's because of the actual product. I was shocked though. I feel like the internet, generally speaking, and maybe that's just from TikTok, they kind of want Haley to fail. It's a terrible thing to say, but I really do feel like a lot of people, uh, to use the word prey on her downfall, feels so dramatic, but I do kind of feel that way. So I was expecting it to get ripped apart. Like I was expecting a Kylie swim situation, which was understandable because that was a very shitty product, but it wasn't. I feel like honestly, people that wanted to hate it, and again, this is generally speaking, I'm sure there was a lot of negativity as well, but I would say my feed, which is typically dominated by people maybe not saying the kindest things about Haley was actually far more representative of some positive feedback. I find that I have a lot of positive Haley content. I do see a lot of negative, and I think that it has kind of dissipated over the years. It is much less than it was a couple of years ago, but it totally still exists. But I also see a ton of really, really positive Haley content. And kind of like you said about the way that she's marketing the skin line almost as if it's marketing her fashion. To me, it's almost the same thing. I think it was received in the same way that a fashion line from her would be received. She is known for a couple of things, and two of those things are definitely her skin and her fashion. And so to me, this whole thing made perfect sense. And I think a lot of people felt that way. 
Right. And I don't even necessarily like to bring up this point because I don't think that competition is helpful. However, I do think that the simplicity of road was potentially highlighted based on the skin announcement. You know, it is also interesting, and not that I was surprised by this in the slightest, like not to one even single tiny degree was I surprised by this, but it is always interesting to see both Kylie and Kim supporting a product like Rode when they're all in the skincare space. Yeah, but that's the thing. There's no world in which they weren't going to. Of course, of course, but it is always so interesting because, you know, that's the thing with skincare, just as we were saying, like, you don't use a lot of multiple products. If you have one serum, it's one brand of serum. And as soon as you start coming out with products that cross over different brands, it's not like all three of your brands can get sold. And it's, like I said, I'm not surprised that they did this, but it is interesting because it's not like marketing a pair of jeans. It's not like if Haley dropped a clothing line in Good American and Chloe were promoting it as well and, and talking highly of it, where you're going to have multiple jeans in your in your wardrobe. Skincare is pretty selective. And so I think of all of the products to promote someone else's skincare line while you have one is the most interesting thing. Right. And to be clear, I think they would have been supportive of this regardless. I mean, even if you saw at that party, Kylie was the one that gave the speech. Like Kylie and Haley were close before Kendall and Haley were close. And that's very much in Kim's nature. When her friend comes out with something, she's going to support it. However, all of that aside, like all of the natural common courtesies that they would have done regardless, that aside... There's definitely a side factor, which is Kim knows she's only going to get more positive praise when she's being so supportive of a competitor. Like that's only going to be well-received for her as like a women supporting women thing. And again, I genuinely think she was supporting a fellow woman, but I don't, I also don't think it's lost on her that it will be received in that way. Oh, Totally, totally, totally. Again, 0% surprised that she did it. I think, of course she did it. There was no part of me that saw that and was like, oh, wow, I can't believe it. No part of me. I just think that it's different with skincare than any other product. It is because realistically, let's say you like a hyaluronic acid. Maybe you're going to have two different brands. Maybe you're using the Ordinary and the Inky List and you're going to alternate. And that's coming from me who has a lot of products, but I don't think it's the type of thing where you're constantly, constantly rotating. People have their shtick of what works. Totally. Yeah. I mean, this this is a much longer conversation. I could literally talk about this forever, but I just think I'll never be tired of analyzing the conversation around a celebrity product launch, specifically when it comes from someone that's new to the product space. Because I think that's the risk you run being a Kardashian where your audience can experience a little bit of product fatigue. It does feel like there's constantly something being pushed. And Haley this is kind of her first introduction. Obviously, she launched the YouTube series of Who's in My Bathroom or What's in My Bathroom, which was very clearly a precursor to this. And I think the two things make a lot of sense together. But in terms of a physical product, this is really her first one. And so to see how that's received, it can go one of two ways. And I I think personally that it, it went in a more favorable direction than I had anticipated. Yeah, me too. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs. 
whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Can I be honest with you? <laughs> what? Like, I know the entire internet is clowning Austin Butler for the fact that he is slightly stuck in the Elvis persona. And you see in his interviews, his voice has really been adjusted and all of that. I think it's hot. Like, I am so aware of the fact that he's basically permanently cosplaying Elvis Presley, yet I'm strangely attracted to it. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm obsessed with it in a way that I can't describe that like actually goes past attraction. Like it's not even the thing that I'm considering in all of this. I just think it's like the single greatest thing happening in pop culture right now. Like we basically have Austin Butler who is method acting after the acting. Like there's nothing that he has to do now. Like it's not like he has to be trapped as Elvis to be good in the movie. The movie is done shot and being released in a week. Like he's just permanently stuck as him and we're all... I don't know, but I can't tell you one single event in the past couple of years in terms of pop culture that I've gotten more enjoyment of than watching Austin Butler continuously do interviews. Like Austin Butler saying that he hasn't seen his friends and family in three years to be Elvis is like, it's the greatest headline I've ever seen in my life. No, Julie, it's doing something to me. Like we are all as a collective country watching him stuck. He is stuck as Elvis Presley. He can't escape it. I feel bad for people that are choosing to make fun of it rather than enjoy it. Like, just, like, you have to enjoy it for what it is. It's so perfect. It's it's oh pop culture in a nutshell. It is amazing. That's what I'm saying. I am enjoying this ride because he's he is also aware of it. You know, I think that initially people thought, oh, he's trying to be cooler. You know, he, he, he doesn't realize what it's coming off of. I think we've crossed that bridge. I think he fully gets it. And he's like, you guys don't understand. I can't fucking escape it. We were playing a game at dinner the other night, which was like celebrity news stories that could break. That would be a 10. That would be like the best news stories of all time. And I was like, my 10 of a news story is if Austin Butler was permanently like this. <laughs> right. But I know you're viewing it from like a fascination, fun perspective, which I'm on board for. But just to shift back to the attraction for a second, I never got the Austin Butler appeal. It wasn't until a month or so ago when I saw him on the red carpet. I was like, okay. I see what you guys are talking about. I think it was the Met Gala. And now I've gone almost up a phase where I'm like, somehow I'm not turned off by what feels to be a wildly performative display. If I'm Kaya Gerber, I'm actually more attracted to this entire persona, which feels bizarre. Like that feels wildly off brand for me, but I I don't know what is going on. Do you think that Austin Butler calls Kaya Gerber Priscilla in bed? Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how far it's gone. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And that's what I'm saying would be my 10. Like my 10 of a celebrity news story is that one day we see a video, okay? Picture this, on the red carpet of Austin and Kaya Gerber. And Austin calls Kaya over, but he calls her Priscilla. He's like, Priscilla, come here. And we're like, oh my God, did that just happen? Like we all catch it on the internet and the internet just goes fucking wild about it. Like that's what I keep envisioning with this. I keep I keep imagining in my head that no matter what role Austin Butler gets next, which he will, this is going to blow up his career, I think, that no matter what he does, he'll forever be stuck as Elvis. Like he'll be promoting some movie that has absolutely nothing to do with anything and still talking in that voice. Right, right. He's like, he's literally on stage, like accepting an Oscar for a completely unrelated film. And he's like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, that's my fucking dream. I can't explain yeah. how badly I want that to happen. Yeah. You know what also, sorry, totally unrelated, but when you said a 10, it made me think of, I am shocked that we have not like together played the he's a 10 butt game. We haven't, we've done that one time on text I'm, and it's been a TikTok trend for like a solid week now. I know. We're going to have to play some because I keep trying to think of really creative ones. We have to do that. That's a fun like podcast segment. 
My favorite trend right now is people playing it with little kids. And it's like, he's a 10, but he can't color in the lines. Oh, my my favorite is the girls that are doing it with their boyfriends, but they're only saying characteristics that are their boyfriends. <laughs> yeah. I saw somebody doing it. I saw somebody doing it with their brother, their like 10-year-old brother. And they were like, she's a 10, but her iPad background is a picture of herself. And he was like, oh, two, two, two. And then they open his <laughs> his background screen and it's him. And she's like, he's like, yeah, but like, it could be me. <laughs> so fucking funny. Okay. You want to talk about Kim and Pete? Yeah, duh. I'm surprised it took us this long. I know. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, I first want to start by issuing a correction because last week when we recorded Monday's episode that ended up being released on Tuesday, we've recorded it quite literally moments after Kim Instagrammed. And so we didn't know where she was. We just assumed the Dominican Republic. So that's what we said. It's actually Tahiti where her and Pete are. So just as a clarification, that's where they are. But you guys, I mean, she's giving us content in a way that we could have only dreamed of. And this is so important to me. I'm going to find a link because I'm sure some TikTok or some Instagram account- I TikToked it. Oh, her stories? Yeah, I, I have it on ours. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, amazing. Okay. Then go to the Comments by Celebs TikTok. And I guess Julie put the entire screen recording of Kim's stories there. It is so important to me that you watch those stories because what you're going to get from the grid content, it's good, but it's not the behind the scenes that we got from the stories. All of it in conjunction is just, it's the, it's the perfect storm. It's the perfect combination. To be able to see those photos of them, which like we said, every single time they do this is just like, catches us off guard. Like to be able to see them kissing and that selfie of Pete where you can see that my girl is a lawyer, like it doesn't get better than that. But then to get the knowledge of the way that Pete is capturing the content for her and to listen to them interact, that's the gold. 
Yes. And she's just making fun of herself so much more than she used to because her entire attitude about everything is so much more playful. Like she realizes how ridiculous this is. She realizes that they're in the middle of this beautiful water in Tahiti and she's making him take content of her on a paddleboard. And like, I think we are so hyper aware of her acknowledgement of the absurdity of it. I had this thought though, while I was watching it, which was the way that Kim would capture content when she was with Kanye was almost like it was her job. Like he had set up what exactly it had to be, what the theme was going to be, where it was going to be. Like it was like a professional photo shoot for her Instagram and it was very meticulous and it was very specific. And like we've said, from our perspective and from what she said, that seems to be what she wanted at the time. Like that seemed to be her vibe, how she wanted it to be. There was something so interesting about the juxtaposition of that, of watching Pete just being there, like being told exactly what to do. He was the one that was like taking the picture and she was like, no, move to this angle. No, get it here. And he was just going along with it. And what a 180 for her. I know, but in such a way that you can tell she is so enjoying. Also, so she was wearing this bikini that she'd never worn before. I guess the brand is Body Glove. And when I saw the photo, the first thing I thought was like, hmm, what's that? You know, typically she's either in skim swimwear or if not, it's something that she's associated with publicly. And you see in one of the videos, you can hear her start to say, is it bad that I'm not wearing? And then it cuts off. But I'm sure she was saying, is it bad that I'm not wearing skims or Good American? And then if you see a few slides later, she's in the Good American onesie that she was biking in. But it was such a moment of like, holy shit, I'm actually not in my brand that I'm supposed to constantly be promoting for. However, she may be in cahoots with Body Glove because if you looked it up, which we did, the Google trend search, <laughs> Body Glove bikini spiked like all the way to 100 just after her Instagram post because everybody was probably zooming in being like, what's this? Right, which was interesting because A, you knew that it wasn't skims, you could tell. And B, had it been something where it was like, a, oh, that's a Frankie's bikini, it wouldn't have shot up in that way because everyone would have known that brand. But I think it was a brand that people were unfamiliar with. So not only was Kim not wearing her own thing, but she was wearing something that you probably hadn't heard of. Yeah, the, the whole thing was just wild. I mean, and then I'm thinking like, okay, this is just the content that we saw, right? And they're giving us a lot. Don't Don't get me wrong. I'm highly appreciative for what we're getting. But like, what are Kim and Pete doing in Tahiti when they're not being filmed. And I don't just mean having sex. Like, what are they doing when they're just sitting in the room? Like, is that not the shit you would die for? Of course it is. I wish those, the Kardashian cameras were there more than anything in the entire world. I also feel like just in the course of the four days, she posted the first one that we were talking about last week on June 13th. And then the second Instagram from Tahiti was, let's say, three days ago. So there's about four days in between. I even feel like just in that, it became more casual and it became... I don't want to say less posed. Obviously, everything is a little bit posed, but it's becoming more the norm that, yeah, she's just going to grid Pete when they're on these like beach vacations, which previously seemed like the biggest deal ever. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's not shocking every single time, but I feel like even she is getting an increased comfort with just showing that this is, you know, her partner. I don't want to be desensitized to it and I feel it happening. Like I want to have that genuine shock every single time it happens and I know it's going to wear off soon. Okay. A comforting thought, though, is that, yes, the shock will probably wear off slightly, but the enjoyment won't. Like, yeah, we're less shocked when we see Pete Davidson on our grid via Kim Kardashian's post, but it's still just as thrilling. Yeah. And eventually you're going to start to see that content of him with the kids on her feed that you've seen only from paparazzi photos. And of course, we have so much Pete and Scott footage to look forward to that, like, I would never in a million years get sick of that. But I don't know. I just never want the novelty of it to wear off. I know. I mean, listen, technically the novelty wearing off only can come from the fact of them sustaining this relationship, which in and of itself is thrilling based on our initial interpretation, which is that this is just like a fun, quick sex focused fling. So in a way, the novelty wearing off is, if anything, just confirmation that they're in it for more of a long haul than we had previously anticipated. So it is kind of like a silver lining, I guess. Have you ever been so wrong about a celebrity relationship, you think? No, 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 no. Hands down, no. I don't think so either. Wrong in a way that I'm not embarrassed by or anything because what the fuck were we supposed to think? We were just supposed to sit here and think that Kim was going to seriously date Pete Davidson and like be on solo vacations with him? No, I think if any, I think, I think that this was the happy accident. 
I, and they feel that way too. Kim didn't think that they were going to date. She literally said it. Like at the same time right. that we were processing this and saying like, well, they're just talking up. Kim was also saying, well, we're just talking up. I The thing is though, the reason I don't feel so crazy is because once we actually processed that it was happening, our hypothesis of how we thought it went down ended up being exactly how it did go down. Like we said, I'm sure that it was just kind of like, hmm, this could be fun. Let's see what all the hype is about. And then it turned into something. And that's exactly what she said on the episode. So I feel slightly vindicated in that. But no, I mean, we were dead wrong. We we audibly laughed at the DMs of a few people suggesting them as a couple, which to those people, I mean, you were right 10 times over and I would send you an edible arrangements if I had your address. <laughs> exactly. I should have predicted it just to say it. <laughs> I want to talk about a few other things. The first being the photos of Chloe, Tristan, and Chris leaving some sort of a Father's Day lunch or a post-dance recital lunch. I don't know. The internet was up in arms over this in a way that I wasn't really. Like, no part of me ever expected that Chloe wasn't going to see him again. Yeah, it didn't feel shocking to me, especially because I think that our timeline was a little warped in this. We've seen them together since the cheating scandal happened, the third one now. We just haven't seen them together since that episode aired, and it happened so close to that that I think that's why people were reacting. Um, but again, like obviously they're going to see each other. Obviously they're going to co-parent. It will never not be interesting to see them interact and wonder what those conversations are like. Totally. I really want to talk about this. I don't know if you guys saw this clip. If not, I'll put the link in the description. But Aman Shumpert was on Watch What Happens Live with Kenya Moore. And Andy asked him a fan-submitted question that was basically like, when the Chloe and Tristan cheating scandal was going on, was that a distraction for the team? Because obviously him and Tristan were playing on the Cavs together at the time. And his response, he initially started out by saying, you know, no, not at all. We were so focused on the game that it wasn't a distraction. And then he went on to say, but we all really just felt for Chloe. It was really sad. And it's so minor. I mean, it's, you know, really just an acknowledgement, but there was something about hearing it from Iman that just felt different because it's like maybe a perspective we hadn't previously considered, which is what were Tristan's teammates thinking in the midst of all of this? Well, that was something that I always had wondered. And obviously we got so such a limited answer from Iman. I mean, it was the perfect answer. He felt for Chloe. He explained that it really wasn't at the forefront of their mind because they were so focused on the game, everything you would have expected him to say. But at the time, I really did wonder what, A, the locker room culture was like during that time because it was so prevalent and it clearly was something that when fans came to the game was something that they were saying and they were chanting and they were booing Tristan. And so it was something that was clearly impossible to ignore. But also, as we know, Tristan is clearly not the first person to cheat on someone in the NBA. So it was it was always interesting to me to see if there was any sort of reaction where it stood out because he got caught in such a public and humiliating way different than whatever else had gone on behind the scenes in terms of other NBA players. Yeah, this was just entirely different. I mean, there are many athletes that are caught cheating, but it's just inherently different when that's on a Kardashian. And then the entire scandal is being played out in front of the entire world on reality television. Like you are on a stage that you couldn't have even comprehended before. So it was a great question. Whoever submitted that question to watch what happens, thank you. Because even though it was a 30 second response, I found it to be telling and interesting. And I'm glad that we had that footage. And guess what? You're getting a hypothetical edible arrangement too for asking that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to mention? Nope. I think that's it. I think so too. You guys, we got to just pray for season two coming soon. Did you see that someone posted, I don't even want to say it because if it's true, I'll freak out. And I do not want to get my hopes up that there was something that said the second season is coming back June 28th. Like there's no way, right? There's no way. There's, There's no, no way. way. No. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm going to hope for the fall and pray for sooner. What about you? That's what I'm going to do as well. Okay. <laughs> good talk. Good talk. <laughs> okay. Love you guys. We will see you later this week for Kardashian bonus show and Bravo. Bravo.